As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Stockast, the German football pod Brought to you by The Athletic. It's Englische Woche in the Bundesliga, a midweek match day. Hooray! Who could do it for Bayern on a cold night in Augsburg? What's the secret of Christian Streich at Freiburg? Are Schalke doomed after another defeat at home to Cologne? Why did Breel and Bolo go to so much trouble to watch an NBA game at the weekend? And will this Dortmund team ever fulfill their potential? All those and many more questions will be answered in today's Starcast. Hello, dear listener, and hello, Christoph Biermann, our guru in residence. But before we get going, a useful reminder that The Athletic's superb Bundesliga coverage and indeed all other amazing content is available for just £3.99 a month at the moment. Go to theathletic.com slash starcastpod to sign up. So, Christoph, I think we have to start at the very bottom, a very, very important result that didn't go Schalke's way, unfortunately. Köln winning in Gelsenkirchen in the 93rd minute, 2-1, to buy a bit of more time for Markus Gistol and to plunge Schalke into even greater depths of despair. What can we say to cheer them up, if anything? Nothing. <laughs> to be honest, I mean, oh. uh, yeah, I, I mean, yes. Now we can say, yeah, it's it's not over, and it's only uh, the first half of the season. And uh, yes, uh, uh, Klaasian Huntela is is coming to to Schalke. He is uh, thirty seven now, and uh, I don't don't see him as uh, the savior the the team is needing. And but I, I think there there would be. A lot of saviors needed uh, right now, and no, I mean actually, I would say it's it's uh, um, uh, practically over for Schalke, but theoretically, yes, you can uh, still turn it round. And uh, but um, if you lose such an important match, and and then they have uh, coming um, the next games will be against most of the top teams, starting with Bayern uh, on the weekend, uh, they will be happy if the gap isn't even greater uh, towards uh, the end of the month or in mid-February. Well, it's 10 points now uh, to safety, eight points to the playoff spot, which is now 
being held quite comfortably by Köln after that win. They have 15 points. Uh, Mainz down with Schalke on seven. But what happened the last time Bayern played against Schalke? Maybe they can find some optimism in that result. <laughs> You're cruel. Was, uh, <laughs> no, it was an eight-nil defeat. But <laughs> David Wagner is there. Maybe Christian Gross will will have more luck. But they could have. I think Lucien Huntela, who came back but but wasn't quite ready to to play, he made the point after the, afterwards that he felt if Schalke continued to play as well as they did in the first half, they would be okay. You don't seem to share the same optimism. Yeah, the the problem um, is that it's not enough to be okay. So so if you if if the gap is as big as it is now, you need a second half of the season that is let's say like this seventh or eighth best team in the Bundesliga because you have to close the gap. And if they play like the uh, 13th or 14th best team in the Bundesliga, they, they won't get enough points. So that's a, that's a, always the problems when, when teams are, are starting as badly as Schalke uh, did. And, uh, and, and that is, my, is a source of my, uh, my, the lack of optimism for, for them. They need to be more than stable. They need to be actually good. And they are... Um, I, I agree with Huntela. They they didn't play well, but but they played okay against Cologne, and they also could have won it. And uh, but in the end, they lost it in the last minute or, or two minutes from time uh, from a counter attack where they were desperately uh, disorganized. And um, and I think that's more the reality uh, of Schalke than any dreams of of doing better than okay you mentioned just before we went on there that you couldn't quite understand why christian gross changed the formation late on changed from the four at the back the Chaka have been playing throughout the season to a three stroke five at the back is that the sort of move that when it works out everyone's saying oh yeah you know the manager is 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 a genius you know he he made that switch and it worked and now that it doesn't, does it create a bit of doubt, not just with the media and the fans, but maybe also inside the dressing room that they feel, oh, you know, the last thing we need is, is a manager making such a change. And now look look where we are. I would agree because it was in a period of the match where um, Schalke, after the equalizer, put a, a lot of pressure on, on, on Cologne and... Um, and and that was uh, was also a, a part of the game where again would agree with Klaas Jan Huntela uh, Schalke played uh, some decent football and so so I didn't understand it because what what you could see I I mean it's it's always difficult to argue was it the re, um, uh, a consequence of of this tactical switch but they were so disorganized uh, at this counter attack before Cologne scored that maybe one explanation is this tactical switch but I, I I wouldn't wouldn't read too much into it in the end it turned out it was uh, at least not not the right decision if it was a wrong decision I don't know but I think altogether it gives uh, the team a very bad feeling for the weeks to come and maybe also some doubts about uh, their new coach. Yeah, what we can say though is that Matthew Hopper has turned out to be 
a source of, of not just goals, but a bit of uplifting mood, perhaps. He's now scored five goals in his last three games. And that's more than 30% of all Schalke goals this season. <laughs> so not not bad going for, for the young American. Let's see if he can keep up that uh, that streak. Maybe Schalke has a chance. Um, Köln is a club we didn't cover that much this year. Um, perhaps uh, the less said, the better. But <laughs> do you think that some of the disquiet and, and problems will I don't want to say go away but will at least be more manageable in the wake of this result and and a table at the halfway point that looks as if yes Köln are bad but probably not quite bad enough to go down I think this uh, match day turned around the the psychology of the uh, relegation battle a bit because um, now we have two teams, it's not only Schalke, but also Mainz, who look like destined to, to go down to the uh, second division if, if uh, things don't, don't turn around dramatically. So that means for the rest of the teams, for the, uh, for the Colognes and Bielefelds, uh, and yeah, we have to talk about them, Hertas uh, of this world, um, that at least the danger of going down... Um, uh, directly um, uh, looks reduced dramatically uh, reduced right now and so so you can live throughout uh, the end to the end of the season that in the end you maybe um, can stay up in the Bundesliga uh, by defeating the third team from the second division and that has happened in most cases in uh, in recent years, um, uh, with the uh, exception of Union Berlin uh, two years ago. So, um, and I think that uh, it, it ha this, um, this uh, I'm, what I meant with the uh, uh, psychological uh, situation there, it releases uh, the pressure on these teams and um, allows them probably to pay, uh, play a bit better football. Um, I mean, Cologne is, um, they played some okay football uh, at Schalke um, as well, but they have massive uh, problems in, uh, in creating anything in front of, of the goal. Um, they scored half of the goals after set pieces and, um, and from open play. You, you see almost nothing from them. One of the key transfers, Sebastian Andersson, who came in from uh, Union Berlin at the beginning of the season, is injured right now. Anthony Modest, uh, the um, uh, goal scorer from a few years ago, looks like... Uh, looks, looks, a spent does, force. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so on. So uh, uh, in the end, they at, at Schalke, they didn't uh, play with a with a striker, uh, with a with f they only played with false uh, attackers and false nines. So but maybe um, they can uh, now with with a with a with a lot less stress, uh, maybe they can develop their football a bit for the second half of the season. Well, the same could be true of Bielefeld, of course, who you mentioned. They beat Stuttgart 3-0. Uh, perhaps one of the most surprising results of uh, Match Day 17. I don't think we had we had that one uh, down on our little prediction pads. But as you said, we have to talk about Hertha. Uh, they will not go down because Mainz and Schalke are significantly worse. But yet another really disappointing performance and result 
3-0 at home, beaten by Hoffenheim, who themselves going through a bit of a rocky patch. Is this it for Bruno Labbadia? There's a lot of talk in Berlin that Lars Windhorst and, and the club are looking for a replacement for him, as well as possibly the sporting director, Michel Prietz, who's been there now forever. Uh, but it looks increasingly on shaky ground. Yeah, and uh, we, we, we have talked about it uh, uh, weeks ago because uh, the bet always was um, that uh, Bruno Labbadia could develop the team into something. I mean, not the big city club, but at least in a, in a, in a team um, that plays some, some decent football. Now they had uh, three games in a row, not against the toughest opponent where they didn't uh, score a goal, didn't convert a penalty uh, when it was nil-nil. I think that was probably a decisive moment for uh, for the for the match against uh, Hoffenheim. Now the overall impression is um, that the team uh, was not properly assembled, so that you have a a lot of quality that is lacking things here and there. And uh, that also you, you have a, a coach in Bruno Labbadia who is not able to at least to a certain extent put pieces uh, together. And, and so, yeah, um, the, the uh, discussion about uh, Labbadia and Preetz uh, uh, will go on. I'm really interested to see what they will decide. I mean, they won't decide any anything today uh, because the um, the next match day is just around the corner. But but I think for for maybe in next week we we can see some uh, changes. I wouldn't at least I wouldn't be surprised. And do you have any idea who might come in? <laughs> no. Shall I shall I come in with my Tuchel idea? Uh, idea? I, I I don't know. I I it's um I mean it's it's a very ambitious project, and now it's so far from from the ambition uh, they are having. I mean they want to create a a glamorous, interesting, fascinating football team for a, a, a big city, maybe. Uh, something that not all uh, football romantics uh, would like, but that creates a buzz, creates uh, interest and so on. And they are so far from it. Um, so um, so I think they need, they would at least need a, a coach who has, who would bring in some glamour or would create interest uh, or whatever. But on the other hand side, they are, so far away from uh, from from uh, what they are aiming to, so far away from international football, for example, I doubt if if you can uh, if it's interesting for for coaches with a big name uh, to come to uh, Berlin, like for example Tuchel. Yeah, it's a, it's a big big project um, to get them anywhere near the aspirations or the ambitions, as you said. Uh, it's interesting to see suggestions that Labadia has, has problems unifying them as a team, perhaps also psychologically. Uh, Niklas Stark was asked after the game, are you really a, a, a team? And he hesitated <laughs> and yeah. said, yes, it was difficult um, to, to get on with everyone or perhaps to, to find that common sense of purpose. And I think it is almost inevitable that a team that's been sort of bought from many different coaches or, or, or with the input of many different coaches of the last few years and um, with that wave of 
of investment coming in doesn't seem to have a kind of organically grown structure. Um, but I expected Labadia with his experience to, to do a little bit better in that respect. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Right. I think we said enough. Uh, let's move on to happier areas of the table. SC Freiburg. I mean, they are a phenomenon. Every year, I look at them and think, probably going to go down. <laughs> and every year, I'm thinking, don't make that mistake again. <laughs> but I, I make the mistake all the time because I just don't see looking at the squad and sometimes looking at their games, how it is they win so many games and how it is they amass so many points to be yet again, not just safe, but actually in contention for one of the European places. In Christian Streich, he does something that is very, very difficult to quantify. And I think it it is one of those unique situations where a club and a manager are so in tune with each other that the idea of sort of him replicating the same thing at Wolfsburg or Dortmund or Leverkusen is, is kind of so abs absurd almost and bizarre that it makes it even more difficult to analyze what it is that, that Freiburg and him do, do so well and why is they fit so well together. Can you perhaps enlighten me and our listeners, Christoph. Christian Streich to, to, uh, is, is just a very, very good coach. But, but what, what does it mean? He is at the same time um, able to develop teams and develop players individually. So uh, whoever comes to, to Freiburg has a fair chance to leave the club as a better football player because um, I mean, we, we, have, we have this um, uh, in Germany, the official job description of a, a football coach is football teacher. You, you, so even if you go to the sports university, or, you know, to the official coaching courses um, that you need to make before you uh, coach professional football, you are a Fußballlehrer, a football teacher. And uh, Christian uh, Streich in that sense is a a football teacher and on the other hand side he is now he is a very exp experienced coach uh, uh, bringing um, uh, bringing teams uh, no um, making teams and and he he was struggling towards uh, um, uh, uh, at the beginning of this season because uh, he lost some important players, uh, Robin Koch, who won to Leeds United, Luca Waldschmidt, who, who was sold to Benfica Lissabon. And yes, and, and he had, had, difficult, uh, had difficulties to, to create the next Freiburg team. And, um, and there's an aspect of, of his work as a, as a coach that is very often overseen because uh, the... Uh, perception of Freiburg is uh, historically is uh, it's a team that likes to play football, likes combination football that comes from uh, comes from the times of Volker Finke. But in reality, Christian Streich is a is is a big 
fan or is a, a, a concentrates a lot on the defensive aspect of football and and so if, if you see that he always is able to assemble teams who are who have a very good uh, defensive foundation and that's always the most important aspect and then develops uh, them from there and uh, and another part of the explanation is the club itself because it's a yeah i think it's the for a professional footballer there is almost no nicer club to uh, to play in the bundesliga maybe apart from union berlin but when you look at the pressure from outside there is very rarely negativity towards the team even in in difficult times and i would always like to um would have liked to see christian streich somewhere else at at a big club i but i remember him saying uh, very nice and then i then i sit without my family uh, in a hotel on a saturday evening after i've lost and uh, i think that sums it up because also for him it's very important he lives 10 minutes with his bike from from the ground from the uh, uh, training ground his his family is there his his little boy is going to school in freiburg and so on so it's all very deeply rooted and uh, and i think that also is is part of 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 the success yeah undoubtedly um he does he does cycle to work as you said and uh, that just creates another layer of of mystique but perhaps <laughs> it is just straightforward good good coach um, but he's doing unbelievable stuff with what is always a fairly limited team in terms of footballing quality. He gets more out of them than, than anyone I think could, could even believe. Uh, certainly I always have my doubts, but they're always confounded by, by his amazing work. They're ninth after a draw against Frankfurt who are uh, just ahead of them, but uh, suffered a bit of a setback with that result. They, they had a bit of momentum, maybe putting more pressure on the European places. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Um, also on their bike, or just are uh, uh, Gladbach or back to winning ways. One of win over Bremen, but the big story there, and it's not really our our area of expertise here at Starcast, but I think we need to talk about this. Is Brillen Bolo's alleged? 
participation in an illegal party uh, in a cafe situated next to a, a lake in Essen. Uh, the police came, uh, found lots of uh, people there, uh, including 15 girls in a, quote, uh, lightly dressed attire. Um, <laughs> and according to them, or according to a report in a build that was quoting police sources, Mbolo managed to escape just in time, climbed over a roof, went into a into an adjacent um, flat, hit in the bathtub, and was then found and arrested. Now, all of these things are not officially confirmed. Uh, Gladbach have denied that story, have said, where's the proof? Now, they did drop Mbolo, but he will be back for the next game after some negative corona tests. But it is still... You know, a, trem a tremendous uh, talking point. And uh, his official explanation was that he never went to any party. He just happened to be in a flat in Essen because he, he'd gone there to watch uh, the NBA <laughs> with friends uh, late at night because this was just 2.30 at night. Now, you're laughing, Christoph, <laughs> but who, between you and me, who, is, who hasn't gone to Essen to watch the NBA late at night? I'm sure you have. Yes, of course, because I, I've, I've been, I mean, I come from that area and what, what did go. we do? I mean, we, we were always went to Essen at night and were watching NBA at our time. No, at our time there was no NBA uh, on, on, on TV or anywhere else. It's on the one hand side, it's, it's a, a bizarre story, also a funny story because it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a young and stupid story, but at that times where everybody is struggling with life and restrictions and so on it's 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 the the stupid part of young and stupid is uh, probably uh, something we have to, to more to focus on um, because there is a, a feeling in, in germany that uh, football players can still do what, what, what they do where others are prevented from going to work and so on and so i think Every football professional has to has to be humble and has to follow the rules, um, even if there if he is young and the NBA is tempting or fifteen lightly dressed girls are tempting. So um, I think we we shouldn't be too harsh on Embolo, but but I think it. It, it should also be a warning sign for, for other players uh, what, to, what, what, what is possible or what is allowed and not allowed. A week ago or 10 days ago, we had the discussion about um, that uh, um, most of the players looked uh, as if they had uh, been uh, coming from, from the hairdresser um uh, because they all looked like they had haircuts from yesterday and there was a complaint about it and rightly so because we uh, we, we we can't uh, we can't get our hair cut right now and uh, when you see, see, look at the players now they <laughs> they start to start to look not as sharp and freshly cut um, as in, in weeks before. And uh, and I would put it in that context. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it was the Trade Federation of, of German hairdressers saying that uh, footballers are obviously having the hair cut. And this is, um, this is you know, work that's, that's illegal, effectively, because they yeah. are prevented from working and they can't open their salons. And 
this sets a bad example. It does sound funny, but there is actually a, a valid point being made. What's interesting, I think, in this context, Christoph, context, Christoph is that we didn't, don't seem to have had the same issues in the Bundesliga, uh, by and large, with, with lots of positive testing in this in the second wave, if you will. Is that because the Bundesliga are a lot more obscure? They don't release the, the weekly figures as the Premier League do and things are hushed up and are not really mentioned or have for some reason, by and large, has there been more discipline and the embolers of this world have, are really the, the exception to what's going on? What do you think? <clears throat> um, they are not, uh, the, the numbers are not officially released, but it's not difficult to, to, to count it together because um, you can see if, um, if players left out and mostly it's, it's, uh, it's said that he ha has been infected if he has uh, been uh, infected. Maybe it's also a bit uh, partly luck, uh, partly probably really a good discipline among uh, most of the players a good um, a good concept in the in the teams so we we, we um there's there's one team that was uh, having a lot of problems hoffenheim but their cases ma mainly came from uh, international matches so yeah i don't know if i, I wouldn't praise the the bundesliga uh, players uh, too much um uh, maybe uh, some of them just have been lucky. I think before we go, we have to, of course, mention the big beasts, uh, the big guns at the top of the table. There was uh, quite a few interesting games uh, going on. Christoph, you sent me a text yesterday saying, Dortmund gets on my nerves. We'll, we'll come to that in a second. <laughs> I, unfortunately, I can't spare you uh, revisiting that frustration that I think a lot of us share as neutrals but first a word about Leipzig and Union I mean this was an Union team that defended really well but were defended in turn really well by Leipzig and Leipzig in the words of Julian Nagelsmann created three big chances and took one of them uh, one nil that was the story of the game but perhaps we should see the result and the performance as yet another indication of how far Union have come that they can you know, coax that kind of performance and that kind of attitude out of Leipzig. Um, a team and a coach who, who told the media before the game that they, they saw Union as, as proper contenders and rivals for the European places. So yet another good result, even though it was, was a defeat. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It took Julian Nagelsmann um, a substitution to turn things around because uh, before Emil Forsberg's um, uh, goal, uh, um, Leipzig only had one chance in an hour uh, from a counter-attack. Uh, so they almost caught Union when they were a bit too offensive-minded uh, uh, in, in a way. But I think both teams defended very well. And also, uh, also Leipzig, uh, Upamecano, uh, very impressive. I mean, again, one of these days where uh, the opponents uh, of Upamecano look like youth teams players. And um, so there was not, not, not much to, to watch um, uh, for, for, for fans of open football 
uh, goal scoring chances and so on. Both teams uh, showed their defensive quality and, and yes, uh, a good performance by Union Berlin and uh, another proof that they uh, belong uh, where they are staying right now. Yeah, but for Leipzig, conversely, maybe yet another game where the lack of a <coughs> of a functioning centre-forward does become quite obvious. I mean, Solo did play, did have one or two moments, but they still need to work so hard and need to rely on midfield to come up with all the goals. Yeah, um, my, my impression yesterday was that um, Solo maybe could be um uh, their solution uh, in in the future but or at least uh, no longer the problem <laughs> yeah because he um he looks like a, a, a good center uh, center forward but i think he is still in a very pessimistic groove about uh, everything so when you look at him you see think ah, he is not playing freely he is not playing uh, in a relaxed way so it's it's all very much under pressure if it is from inside or, or from outside but but if he overcomes it and maybe gets one or two games where he scores decisive goals uh, he probably could be uh, uh, the man that really helps uh, RB Leipzig. Hmm. Pessimistic roof sounds like a, a, <laughs> a band. discovered seven, <laughs> seven inch from from the Smiths or something. I don't know, but uh, I, I, I ex understand exactly where you're coming from. He, he doesn't exactly ooze that kind of swagger and arrogance that you want from your from your centre forwards at the moment. Um, I can't spare you. Don't worry. The Dortmund uh, stuff is coming. But before that, um, Bayern. Uh, they won at Augsburg 1-0. Lewandowski penalty. His 22nd of the season. Amazing, amazing run. He could well break the record of, of Gerd Müller, 40 goals, if he continues like that. And Bayern played well in the first half. But then sort of stopped playing and the second half was was very stodgy and 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 not nice to watch um is there anything more said to be that or was that just you know Bayern doing what Bayern do like getting a win without necessarily being very, very convincing um it's it, it, yeah they, they it's it, right now they had like two uh, dirty wins uh, uh, within five days uh, also against um, Freiburg where uh, Freiburg in the last minute of the game hit the woodwork and um, yesterday it was um, uh, Alfred Finnbogason not converting a penalty um, against Manuel Neuer because he hit the post um, and um, yeah, it's it's uh, we 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 see this pattern: uh, Bayern playing nicely, uh, going up one nil, and then uh, losing the plot uh, during during the game. Because I mean, they had, could have been easily two nil, three nil up at halftime. In the end, they were kind of lucky uh, to get away with the with a uh, win. Um, but but my impression is when so they it's it's not so much so much frustration about it at bayern right now it's it's like oh yeah okay 
we have to accept it. We don't exactly know what's going on, but we're getting away with wins. We're top of the table. Uh, we're, we're four points ahead, the, the second team. And uh, yeah, so it's... it's um, uh, no excitement, no euphoria or so, but um, yeah, they are laboring their way to, to the top. And uh, I think in a way, they're okay with it. Well, not okay with it is, is definitely Dortmund with their own performances. They lost 2-1 at Leverkusen in arguably the biggest game of the match day. They felt that they might be back in the title race a couple of weeks ago. Now... They are, in the words of Michael Royce, definitely out of it. The gap now, 10 points with Bayern after that defeat against Leverkusen, who are three points ahead of them, having won the game 2-1. A game that was very entertaining. A game that saw Dortmund come back strongly after going 1-0 down in the first half. But yet again, finding all their efforts thwarted and in the end, sort of self-destructing. Um... <laughs> it's difficult to it's difficult to to sum up my feelings about Dortmund because it is just annoying. It's just annoying to see a team with so much talent not finding that consistency, finding that solidity. And Mats Hummels was asked about this afterwards, and he's somebody who always has one ideas or two and and a way of putting that into some interesting statements but even he seemed at a total loss and said well if we knew what was wrong we'd, we'd do anything about it i guess the best you can say is that they won't have this issue that ed and tess are just too good to leave in the summer for when they want to bring in the the real coach uh that's that's a problem that looked as if it might arise but uh, will no longer the issue now they really have to fight for that fourth spot again and uh that for Dortmund is is almost equivalent of being involved in a relegation battle because that fourth spot, the Champions League, is absolutely vital. Christoph, where did that leave? Where did that leave you? That game, as despondent as me? Yeah, because also uh, it was so so odd how many different faces of Borussia Dortmund could see. So you 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 could see they had a they had a very good start. Uh, started very convincingly then they completely lost it and 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 they were like jogging around the pitch i mean i have been praising the team or the effort of Edin terzic that they um that he managed uh, to turn them into uh, a working uh, a team that's working at least working hard on the pitch and and they 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 just stopped i mean they you could see uh, you could see Leverkusen players flying over the the pitch, and and um, and and they are uh, Borussia Dortmund opponents uh, watching in in uh, in interest, and um, so uh, that was uh, very surprising for for half an hour, and um, and Leverkusen was uh, uh, was one nil up, and they they could have easily scored two or three goals, and then Borussia Dortmund came came back uh, after half time, and played some brilliant football. 
and uh, uh, equalize, but but still um, the one the one part of the problem is that sometimes they forget to um, to uh, work football. But on the other hand side, that's also something that uh, Edin Terzic uh, said. They make it too complicated up front because uh, they they have like uh, 34 passes and back passes and side passes and, and so on. Um, uh, how they want, want to make that combination through the opponent's uh, defense. And sometimes it looks like... Uh, uh, Barcelona in disguise, also Barcelona of the heydays, but but uh, very often they 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 got lost somewhere, and and so uh, also in front of the um, opposing goal they are lacking some clarity, I, I would say, and um, and 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 in in a in a part of the game where where you where you were thinking, nah. They could could win it and turn it around, and that would have been a big big win for them. They lost it. I mean, and and you sit in sit there and 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 um, and ask yourself what's going what's going on here. So a very complicated situation, and um, and I have my doubts um, not so much about, about about the the coach. I mean, we had we had similar discussions and problems with um, uh, Lucien Favre and so on. Maybe in the end we have to uh, point the finger to the team um, that is uh, not maybe also not not uh, uh, put well together because it lacks some. Um, some kind of backbones um, uh, that a, a team of that aspiration needs. Oh, yes. Then we can talk about mentality again. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> it's inevitable. It's inevitable. Um, they've got Borussia Mönchengladbach coming, the derby of the Borussia on Friday night. Uh, and there's now only one point between Gladbach and Dortmund, uh, which... I guess shows you how, how things have changed in recent weeks. Um, Dortmund under real pressure to get a result in that game. But before we leave, I think we should mention um, or and praise indeed a good performance from Leverkusen. They got perhaps a little bit lucky the way they won the game with that final counter-attack where Dortmund defended very, very poorly, it must be said. And Roman Bürki in goal did his best to almost dive out of the way uh, for the shot from Florian Wiltz. He <laughs> had earlier also gambled um, with Moussa Diaby in the first chance that Leverkusen created and also jumped out of the way. Doesn't The optics weren't great, put it this way. Uh, but Leverkusen, with Wiltz back installed in his, in his very influential number 10 role, looked, looked like a real team in that game. Would that be fair? Yeah. Um, but they also could have lost it, um, uh, and so so um, also it's uh, Bayer Leverkusen is a team that is uh, struggling to find uh, consistency. But um, it, it was uh, one of the best performance uh, from them in 
recent weeks, or at least since uh, they unluckily lost um, against Bayern uh, at uh, shortly before Christmas. Um, and so, so it makes the impression that as if uh, Bayer Leverkusen is is uh, back. And um, but uh, as we said, I um, I still don't see them as a, a real contender. For, for the German title I, uh, title, I think it's between Bayern and Leipzig. Oh, I was afraid you're gonna, you might say it's between Bayern and Bayern for a second. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Leipzig are still in it, four points off Bayern, but Leverkusen then seven points adrift in Dortmund, as we mentioned, a 10-point gap, which I think is going to be impossible, sadly, for them to overcome. But that's all we've got time for. Thank you very much, Christoph. It's very entertaining and enlightening as usual thank you dear listener for tuning in and do come back on monday when we'll bring you all the news of match day 18 until then bye bye the athletic